this computer. And we are live. What's up, Kevin? How's it going, man? Well, like I said, uh, right, right before we went live, man, this, this red face, I, I was like, man, all right, I'm driving Uber. I'll, I'll finish Uber. I'll get a quick run in because I didn't get my workout in yesterday like I wanted to. And I get mm -hmm. in like seven minutes ago, and I'm like, oh, shit. I look like this. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm good, man. It's been, uh, it's been a, a long time since you and I have been able to connect because uh, usually we connect yeah. in improv theater. So, so what's good, man? Mm -hmm. Not much, man. Um, I'm lucky enough to still be able to work. So um, I've been working from home this entire time. So stuck with me and my dog. She's getting on my nerves. So, well, I'm getting on her nerves. Let me change it. I'm getting on her nerves. So uh, just doing that, uh, still trying to do music when I can. Um, and just been playing a crap ton of Fortnite, honestly. Just playing a, <laughs> playing a shit ton of Fortnite. A lot of Fortnite. What kind of dog you got? Yorkie. What? You got a Yorkie? I don't like big dogs, man. I feel like, I, um, and people think I'd be joking, but I'd be dead serious. Like, the only reason why I don't want to, well, I grew up with big dogs all my life, but the only reason why I don't want one now is, one, I live in an apartment, and two, is like, they take big shits, and I don't feel like picking all that up, so I'll just get a little dog. That was the, that was the, I was with Scott the other day, with Mont, uh, Montgomery, and we were mm -hmm. walking with, you know, he was walking with his, his little girl and my boys and my dog. My dog took a, a height leg shit, like the back leg, like he was peeing, but he was, he was shitting like that. And Scott goes, man, you got a weird dog, man. You got a special dog is what he said. Yeah, they don't normally do that. <laughs> they don't do that. And, uh, but the reason I bring that up is because I, I, I don't usually have to clean up the shit. And I forget how much I got other people clean up the shit for, for the dog. I, I, I don't like that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather change a diaper. Yeah. And my, and my thing is, like, even if she, like, have an accident in the house, it's so small, get toilet paper, throw it in the toilet. If it was a big dog, they did a fucking shovel. I'm not doing all that. I'm not, I'm not doing all that. <laughs> so so I, I, I don't know if you're still posting about it, but you were posting uh, a lot of, uh, maybe not a lot, but some, some alcohol pictures. Like, you was, you was playing at Fortnite and doing some alcohol. Like, what? You remember that? It was probably the beginning of quarantine. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, nothing much changed. <laughs> Ain't nothing changed much. Um, I just, uh, I've been, I've been trying to like try new like alcohol and stuff like that uh, when I can. Uh, I've been trying to make my own drinks, so I've been uh, trying to perfect my own old fashioned. So I've been doing that, trying to get better at that. But uh, yeah, I still, I still get down from time to time. I slow down a little bit. I was like, ah, okay, this who's, is uh, this is getting out of hand. Your, who gets to test your drink? Your dog? Um, nah, she don't get. To, I mean, I, I, some people come over and I'll like give them one, have them test it out and stuff like that. But I normally test it, and then I went to uh, Century Bar, um, about three days ago, and I got it old fashioned. I was like, I still need work. I still got work to do. I still, still got work to do. Man, yeah, awesome. it's close, but it ain't there yet. They got. Uh, I'm not, man. I, I, you're a tough guy. I can't do an old fashioned. I'm, I'm not that hard. Oh, y'all love them. See, old fashions are almost like um, bad wands to where it's like, you know, only two and you should be good with a bad wand. Like two old fashions, you all right. You get three, you drunk. You, you drunk. may not want to believe it, but you drunk, yeah. The, the bad wand, where's where that from? Elsa's? Elsa's, mm-hmm. Yeah, see, I told you I was driving, or I mentioned earlier I was driving an Uber and I'm picking people up, dropping them off at Elsa's. And I've never had a bad wand. 
I've never never had one. I've had it. I've had it once. I wasn't a fan of it of how it tasted, so I left it alone. But I've only had it like once. But I heard you can buy them in the store or some shit like that. Like you could, they like you can to go like bad wands or whatever. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not the same as being in the restaurant. Never is. So how you been other than Fortnite and hanging out with your dog and getting on her nerves? What what else you been doing? I mean, obviously we're. She's how many how many weeks or months are we into this stay home stuff? Started in March. Our about May. four months now. Three, so, four months. Yeah. So, what was it like for you when you started? Um, it was uh, I at first I was super happy because I'm like, man, I ain't gotta, I can work from home. I always wanted to experience, you know, what I'm saying working from home in that situation. So uh, I say about the first two weeks, I was like, cool, this is this is cool, this is cool. But then after a while, I'm like, I, I I'm in the house literally all day every day like I'm, I can't leave I'm not going nowhere so then it got stressful and um you know I'm the type of person I like to go I like to do things I got to be on the move got to be on the move so um it was hard to just be still and like not do anything you know so and I think that's where a lot of the uh, not, not a lot I ain't no fucking alcoholic but like that's where the drinking came from like I just drink something it's right here you know but um it was just hard because I realized you know, work from home would be great if everything else was open you know what I'm saying? Where I could go do something still with my night, but the fact that nothing's open, I'm literally in the house all that. Wake up in the house, go to sleep, ain't move off the couch down there. You know what I'm saying? So that uh, took some getting used to, but I'm cool now. Um, like I said, I go, I walk a little bit, uh, walk the dog a lot now, let her run around. So I'm cool now. I'm more adjusted now for it. So, oh, yeah. I mean, completely go to work social hours go places hang out with friends to completely working at home it's one thing just to mm-hmm. work work at home but then to go full bore not being able to do anything um i, I was kind of like you man like i feel like i needed the break well you said more like yeah. you want to work from home and try that out but i i just feel like i needed the social break uh from running around doing all these things all the time uh needed to like strategize where i went and how i spent my time a little bit but then i you get a little too antsy and you got to, like, get back out there. So. so, so yeah, I can see that as a positive thing. So, I would say that as well. It's like, you know, at first it was – and the reason why I said that, like, at first it was like um, – it was, it, was it, it was a shock because of the fact that if I couldn't go nowhere. But in the end, now that I came out of that, I'm like, that was, it, was, it was needed. You know what I'm saying? It just kind of, like, reset. You know what I'm saying? Chill. You know what I'm saying? And then now – when you start the, it's almost like going on a diet. Like it's almost like doing a whole 30, right? You cut everything out and you slowly add to see what you can and can't do anymore type shit. So with me, you know, so we socially cut out everything, contact everything. Now when, when things start slowly start opening up, we slowly get back in, see what we want to do, see what we're comfortable with. And I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll be a lot of changes. Like some stuff I just won't do anymore. Like I'm not big on that anymore. Cause you like, never know until it's gone. So like what? Um, I think I would say like the amount of like every night I was out, you know what I'm saying? Like every night I was doing something, not out like partying or nothing, but I just always had something to do. So um, it's, it's probably just, I was the type of person, like if somebody wanted to hang out, I'd be like, all right, let's go hang out. I would just say yes. You know what I'm saying? So now I may, I may do a little more like, ah, I'm all right tonight. You know, I'm going to chill. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to try to space it out and stuff like that. So. And, um, I mean, I'll be honest, man. I, I do right now. I miss, I miss the improv theater. That's something. Yeah. I mean, that group of people for me, I, 
I guess it's probably a, a different from back up a minute. I'm probably different being quarantined for me. You know, I got my two little boys and that didn't stop. Right. So they stay with their mom and then they stay with me. So, you know, I have them, it kind of like some parents who have their kids full time, probably going nuts with their kids. Like you're going, getting on your dog. Yeah. But for me, it's, it didn't, I, it didn't feel like a lot changed for me specifically because I go get my kids that still happened. Um, they're both young. So it's not really like, I, I never had to take them to school or not take them to school. That was never anything that happened. So my schedules and stuff just really didn't change. Uh, although I quit my job like a few weeks into four weeks ago, uh, five weeks ago, maybe mm-hmm. during quarantine, uh, that was about the, the only bigger, bigger change, but Mm-hmm. so uh but anyways yeah man i miss i miss improv i don't know what are the things that you kind of miss doing yeah it was um i think it was sunday this past sunday i went the the little like photo shoot thing or whatever i seen that and we met yeah we met downtown and it was uh it was me kelsey trey craighead and uh emily smith and uh we just used the i just used the theater just to change clothes and stuff so I go in and I'm sitting, I'm like, oh, it's like a huge, like, man, I'm in, back in here. You know what I'm saying? It feels good, but it's, you know what I'm saying? It's not, nothing's happening, but I'm back inside the theater and stuff. So um, it felt good. And then to just walk around with improv people, walk around, joke, talk. It just, it just felt real good to do that, man. I, I didn't realize how much I missed it until I actually sat in the theater and, and, and walked in. So Yeah, first, like I said, it seems like a lot of things kind of like points, like, it was nice at the beginning and then you kind of get a little, you kind of start missing those things. I mean, I'll drive by while I'm driving Uber and I kind of, I kind of miss it. You don't realize. And then for me, I mean, I feel like this is probably true for a lot of people. I feel like improv has changed my life in a lot of ways. Some, some similar to some people, but some different. And one of the things is just the mm-hmm. skill of communication, like being able to talk and listen to my kids, uh, not cut people off, you know, or the biggest mm-hmm me is to have confidence to kind of say what's on my mind and you know be be myself in situations where I you know haven't always been uh one of the biggest things was hosting the the musical stuff the improv musical jams like that that skill I hated by the way I I hated doing that just felt terrible um but I grew so much in it it gave me it gave me kind of a, this ain't that big of a deal type of feeling that like I could go into certain situations and actually, you know, be, be myself. So it, I miss that aspect of not being able to have that <clears throat> I can practice that with a group of people that get it, get the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, um, that's the, to me, that was the big beauty of improv is like, that's why people that do improv, they have so many improv friends. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, like say, for instance, if you started doing improv at 30 and you already got your core group of friends of, from, the, from the time you was born to 30, you got your core group of friends. From the time you're 30 to 32, and if you started improv, in those two years, you're going to have more best friends because they get it. You know what I'm saying? You're around people that you can laugh with and everything, and they get your sense of humor and their stuff like that. So it's a it's a real big thing to be around people that get it you know what i'm saying so that's a huge thing that, that makes me think of some some interesting thing because you kind of brought up an interesting point of zero to 30 
for whatever reason, you kind of, in my head, it's like you have like this life group. You have this, this family, this social circle, but then you have like these sub niches that are inside of you that you go to explore. Like I see this a lot of times with just groups and uh, you, you've been a, a, a member at a CrossFit gym. I was a former CrossFit gym owner and it kind of had a similar effect to people. It's like, hey, you, you grow up with your life group is what I'm calling it. And you grow up with these people and then you go to this CrossFit gym and you start to meet these types of people. And these, it's for a minute or for a while, you start to have them be your people and you start to hang out with them more and it starts to be concentrated. And then you go to improv and you have groups. It's kind of like these little pockets uh, that kind of go a little deeper into who you are. And you kind of get to explore that a little bit more than maybe you would have in your life group, in your family group. Like they don't get it. Like yep. my family didn't get crossed. Yep. My family doesn't get improv. Uh, mm -hmm. the improv group gives mm -hmm. there's an inclusion aspect mm -hmm. yeah and I, like i said it's that's the oh that's just the best part man and it's like my thing is like whenever you're around people that you can laugh with you know it's so not laughing at but you're laughing with a group of people you'll be the happiest you are in your life you know what i'm saying because like there's not there's nothing better than that like go going to the bar with my family it's good. Don't get me wrong. It's a good time. It's a very good time. But going to the bar with improv people and all we do is laugh for the entire hour and a half, two hours. You can't beat that. You can't. You can't beat that at all. So and then it's just y'all just talking about whatever and it's just fun. You know what I'm saying? So you can't beat that. At all. I I would. I am. I am a huge advocate for everybody on the face of this earth doing improv personally. So yeah. And I think you just. I think about the culture there too. Because you have such mm -hmm. a, I gotta move this light. You just think about the culture and uh, shining my white face all over the place. You just think about the culture and the diversity of like, it's common ground for people. And obviously with everything that's going on right now in the world, all of it, all things, it places like, like a comedy spot, like the improv theater, it brings, a certain sense of humanity to individuals or to groups of people. And I don't know, man, I, I don't know if I, what I'm saying is making sense or not, but I feel like there's such a diverse group of people at the improv theater that brings a whole new level of connection. Obviously you're laughing. It's a positive emotion and it's not really, you know, most of the time it's not some deep, topic uh yeah or, you know so it's kind of light uh, does that make any sense i'm not sure if that's making sense yeah it, make, it makes it makes perfect sense to me um me becoming an improv teacher uh made me a better improv in general but me becoming an improv teacher i feel made me a better human as far as like everybody deserves the same respect regardless of background regardless of cultural differences, things like that, right? Um, because you're around so many different people in improv. And some people has real, I would say kind of communication issues, real social issues, right? Like that they come to improv to try to help better themselves and things like that. So um, being around that diverse group makes you a better person because you truly get to see so many different people and you all the common ground, laughter. You all have the common ground of laughter 
improv, you have to work with it. You have to be teamed. You have to, you know what I'm saying, be in groups with these people. It's not just stand-up where, like, yeah, I know you exist, but I'm going to do my own thing. No, you have to work together. Y'all have to communicate. You know what I'm saying? So it forces you to get in touch with everything that's not you. You know, so everything that's that's outside of who you are. So you can see the difference. You can see how big this world is. You can see what type of people are out there that even though the 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 zero to thirty you probably wouldn't talk to them in the mall, the, the thirty to thirty-two, you know you know how to react, you know how to conversate with them. You know what I'm saying? Like people who um um if they got like uh what uh not Alzheimer's, um <sighs> Dementia. Uh, I can't. I can't. Huh? Dementia? No, not dementia. It's not even that. It just starts with an A. I can't think of what it is right now. Um, I don't know. I know they'd be saying they'd be on the they're on the spectrum, like autism. Uh, uh, autism. Yeah, yeah. Like it's people who has light autism, whatever. Right? And it's no issue. They're they're great people. They're 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 fun people, whatever. And you treat them as if they're just regular people. And you're able to do that because of improv. It's uh, uh transsexual. You know, you treat you know it's just, they're just regular fucking people. You know what I'm saying? And they're nice people. They got good hearts, good spirits, and you learn to accept that and be a part of that through improv, I think, because you're going to be around it. You know what I'm saying? And one thing I've noticed is improv has a good way of weeding out negative energy. So if, you, if you're a negative energy type of person, you won't be in improv much long because it, it's, it's going to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? It's going to make you uncomfortable with all the positive energy that's around. So um, I, I agree. I think from a diverse standpoint, improv is where it's at. And um and like it's not a lot of African Americans doing improv, so um I know with me it's helped me you know since see a lot of different people and everything like that and so, like I said be able to be in a, uh, teaching or whatever I was te- I taught people who had a DID um you know what I'm saying they have extreme anxiety attacks and, like, and I'm I'm teaching these people and just but they're great people and it's and it's and it's cool for me because I I understand that world a little bit you know what I'm saying I when at first I I knew nothing about it now I understand that world a little bit. I understand um, the the trans world a little bit, you know, because I, I'm around them to get uh, LGBT. The whole LGBTQ is all through improv, you know what I'm saying? So you have to learn to accept those and uh, and appreciate them when they come through, because like I said, they're all human, they're all great people. So I love it. I love every single thing about it. What is um? Uh, how old are you? How old am I? Yeah, thirty five. Uh, hold on, thirty four. Thirty four. So. You you're born and raised Dayton, right? Are you born and raised Dayton? Yeah. Are yeah. You still thinking if you're 34 or 35? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, it's the time period. It's quarantine. I'm like, it is 2020. I ain't, it ain't November yet. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 34. I'm 34. Yeah, I'm 34. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's oh, so funny. But you're born and raised Dayton. <laughs> yep. So you said something like African Americans don't do a lot of improv and. Mm-hmm. I'm curious to know, I feel like there's one of the things that, one of the reasons I was excited to just get you on the podcast is because I want to know more of your story and you, you have been in different groups through, through, uh, improv music. Uh, I've listened to some of your older music, um, you know, your job, it seems like you've been your own melting pot of different groups of people, whether you, mm-hmm. whether you're putting yourself into a group, um, to diversify yourself or whether you just feel that internally. So I just kind of want to know 
I'm just curious, just personal, personally curious is like, give me some history of Kevin. Uh, yeah. So, um, so well, first I wouldn't, I wouldn't say, um, melting pot because to me, when I think of melting pot, I think of, we're going to take all these different things and just make it into one thing. Like we, we're going to mix it all together to make them all seem like they're the same. Right. So I would say more like a salad, you know, you got your tomatoes, you got your onions, they're all different, but they, you see they together, it makes something delicious. Right. So my, the, the way my character is and what I do is more like a salad. So it's like, um, and then just me growing up, unfortunate situations led to what I say, like big blessings or whatever. So, um, I, when I was in, when I was in high school, um, my dad, I was living with my dad and I was going to Meadowdale and he ended up, I would, then I moved, I went to Wayne for a semester and then from there I moved to Tallahassee, Florida. Tallahassee, Florida, I was at a high school called uh, Gabby and it was literally 50-50 when it comes to white or black. So that expanded and, and Meadowdale, it's like 90 black, 90% black, 10% white, whatever, right? But going to Godby, I was able to see and literally be in both sides, which expanded, you know what I'm saying, my, my culture and my, you know what I'm saying, view on the world because I'm, I'm, I'm literally in a 50-50 school or whatever, right? Um, and it was a great experience. Love everything about it. Um, from that, like I said, I was, I was supposed to play college football, but it didn't work out. So I took a, uh, took a year off, and then I went to, uh, came back to Wright State. Um, and at Wright State, you know, is Wright State got to be like 85% white, 15% black, something like that. But um, it was it was it was a good it was a good experience. Um, all I knew growing up is I wanted to play football. I didn't care about nothing else in life. I wanted to play football. I wanted to be in the NFL. I wanted to play football. Play football. Um, and it didn't hit me until I couldn't go to college and play. That then I realized I'm not going to do it, right? So I, that's when I realized I, I, we're not going to do what it. What happened? Um, I was supposed to go play in North Carolina. It was a, it was a, a small college in North Carolina that wanted me to play, but they didn't have any. Uh, they didn't have any more scholarships, and they was like, "Well, if you if you walk on, you know, what I'm saying the the following year, you know, what I'm saying we can probably get you one. We just don't have any more right now." Blah blah blah. And um, it would have took me. It would have took a, a loan, like a, a parent. I think called it like a parent plus loan or something like that to get. And I would have to have that for the first year. Well, my dad, my dad said, no, he's not going to do it. So that took me out of any possibility in that end. So, um, so I, I just had to sit out, you know what I'm saying? And then, um, and I just like went to right state. I just gave up on it and went to right state. Um, so when I, when I was there, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what else do I like to do? And I was like, well, I like playing video games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is what I like to do. I've been playing it all my life. So I was like, well, let me go to school for computer science or whatever. Um, when I got into computer science, um, I didn't know anything about a computer, really. I didn't really have a computer growing up. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, the only computer I had, I think I was a junior in high school. You know what I'm saying? When I first got a computer, or at least seen one. You know what I'm saying? Not seen one, but, like, you know, the first got with a personal computer. So, you know, I'm behind the curve tremendously. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, didn't, I did not have a computer growing up. In school, yeah, maybe. But I did not have one in my house until I was a junior in high school. But I knew I wanted to play video games. So, like, let me do computer science because I'm thinking – I'm not thinking the, the inner workings, the coding, and all that stuff that goes in the video games. I'm thinking graphics, you know what I'm saying, and stuff like that, like the, the stuff you already see once it's already done. So when I get in, this, when I get in uh, computer science, um, 
it was a it was a shock to me on how to do everything. Um, but I, I haven't really been big in my life on quitting. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm more embarrassed. So I, I'm more I'm naive that way. I'm stubborn. Like so if even if it's obvious that it won't work, I won't quit doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like so even though it was hard initially, I was like, well, I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take this time out to quit though. So I might as well just suck it up, you know what I'm saying, stick to it. Um, I think probably my sophomore year in college, I realized I should have gotten a computer engineering if I wanted to do video games more than just computer science. So I was like, ha, ah, yeah, too late. It's too late. It's too late. So um, I've always had a big, big thing of a, what's it called? Imposter syndrome where I'm like, man, any, anytime somebody going to find out that I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, I think part of it is in my career, I'm the extreme minority. You know what I'm saying? It's not a lot of African-Americans in computer science. There are some but it's not a lot in computer science and everything like that. And even when I was at Wright State, I was the only one. Yeah, yeah, I was the only one. I mean, I think I saw one other black guy my senior year, but he was like a freshman or sophomore or something like that. And um, so me, so I'm always thinking like, okay, they're gonna find out, I don't, they're gonna find out I don't know what I'm doing. They've had me, my, uh, my teachers had me teaching, like being um, like a, a tutor for cyber, uh, uh, computer science, like coding, for Java and stuff like that, I was, uh, was a tutor. But um, what helped me out was I was never afraid to, um, and I don't know who instilled this on me. It was just, just something in me. I've never been afraid to ask for help. I've never been afraid to ask for help. Um, whenever I went to school, whatever college teacher I had, I made, a, I made a conscious effort to always go to their office hours. Even if I didn't need help, just go to their office hours just to ask a question. Just make up a question. I don't even care if I know the answer already. So they can see my face and know I, who I am and feel like, okay, this guy is serious. You know, so he wants to, he's at my office hours. So um, I did that with every teacher. And then one of them came and said they had an opportunity for a, um, a, a co-op, a co-op order. I knew somebody in this company named Battelle. And it was for um, IT stuff. Well, one of my friends that I went through college with, he, he was a year ahead of us. So his, uh, the year he graduated, they immediately, I right state immediately gave him the IT job for the entire engineering department. He was, as soon as he graduated, he's the IT guy. So we said, Kevin, hey, you want to work for me? We can, we, you know, we can do IT stuff. We're working for the teachers, professors, everything like that. We just fix the computers around, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, cool. That helped me out because now I'm getting cool with the professors outside of class. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we go hang out. We, we drinking. We eat. You know what I'm saying? Like, we hanging out because I'm, I'm in with them at this point. So they hooked me up with a co-op. Um, and that co-op got me to where I am now. It was just, you know, saying just building blocks or whatever. So um, it was a uh, it was a good good thing, you know what I'm saying? Like I said, to be in that situation. Um, and like I said, I've always been in my career at least, always been in a in a minority situation. And I understand that and like and then I can do about it. It is what it is. Um, even to this day, I still don't see a lot of, you know, since cybersecurity. It was African Americans out there, you know what I'm saying? Um, at my job, I'm the, I'm a super I'm the supervisor, but I'm the only black guy still. You know what I'm saying? Um, it's just it's just the way of the beast, you know. So when it comes to that degree and that that uh, that career field, so um, it's not a lot of us out there. But it's just I think that's what helped me ease into uh, improv more. Now I was sitting at the house and I was trying to buy a a, a stereo on Groupon. And I stumbled upon a, 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 a coupon for improv at Black Box. And I was like, huh, okay. You know, I've, I've, this, is, this is literally what I thought. This is literally what I thought. I was like, yeah, I've seen, I like Saturday Night Live. I've seen Anchorman the bloopers a couple of times. I think I was, it was funny to me. 
oh, I'll give it a go. <laughs> that was literally my reason for joining improv. Anchorman to deleted blooper scenes in Saturday Night Live. That's the only reason why I joined improv. But um, but once I got in, it was over after that. You know what I'm saying? Um, it was it was cool for me because I always knew I was funny, but it was like, you know what I'm saying? When you, sometimes when you're around your family, some your family, they just don't get it. They don't they don't get how your mind is building this story, you know, in, in, in your head or whatever. So they don't really laugh like that. But when I started just doing it in improv, people started loving it. I'm like, I'm home. Yeah, this is it. They like it. Uh, this is this is working for me. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So um that's how that's how that started, at least with me going to improv and stuff. And like I said, haven't looked back. Um improv is one of them situations where I I seriously can't see a world where I'm not involved in it in some way. I mean, even though this whole quarantine is going on, I'm still improv is still there in my heart. It's like with the second these motherfuckers open back up, I'm there. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, it's not going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? Um, whenever I go to New York, Chicago, I have to see an improv show. I have to. It's in me. It's not going nowhere. It's not going anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So um, I love that. Uh, when it comes to music, so we so we talked about computer science, talk about improv. And if you if, if if it's anything you want me to go deeper in, let me know. But we talk about I, I, I write down I write down some questions. So I, all right, cool, 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 cool. I got it. I guess. All right, cool. So computer science, uh, improv, now music. Um, I've always I I didn't really grow up on hip hop. Honestly, uh, my dad was more uh, soul, like R and B soul types of Marvin Gaye. You know what I'm saying? Uh, them, them type of guys or whatever. Um, yeah, and uh, my mom was more like R&B, like Jodeci, H-Town, Jaheen, like stuff like that. So it really wasn't a lot of hip hop, you know what I'm saying, in the family or whatever. But I mean, I had my ways, you know what I'm saying, I'm listening to it. When I was uh, 18 in, uh, in Tallahassee in Florida, I used to work at Tropical Smoothie. And it was the, it was the manager there. His name was uh, Ali, and he was a poet. And he was a poet, whatever, and he was super dope. He was real. He was a real good poet. He would, like, travel and stuff like that, right? So I told him, you know what I'm saying? I was like, yeah, I, I rap a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I think at every point, somebody tried to rap at some point in their life. Of course, they never went through it. You know what I'm saying? They never went through it, but, like, let me see if I can. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, one of them situations. So I was doing that, and that's why I was like, yeah, I tried a little bit, blah, blah, blah. And then I... uh. I forgot I wrote something. He was like, write something for me and then bring it back, you know, so tomorrow or something like that. I'm like, all right. So I wrote something and he was like, oh, that's, he said, it's a, it's there. He said, it's a little bit, but it's there or whatever, right? So I'm like, all right. So he kind of like taught me in a way how to rap, right? So we would do like, um, I, I for, for lack of a better, I call them rap drills. We did like rap drills or whatever, right? Um, and we would be at work at Tropical Smoothie while making a smoothie. He'll be like, uh, so somebody will say, let me get a, um, let me get a Paradise Point. So we in the back, he said, hey, Kevin, Paradise Point. Rhyme with that. Rhyme with Paradise Point. So he said, so whatever you say has to rhyme with Paradise Point. So I have to make up something, and it has to end with something that rhymes literally with Paradise Point. So that's the whole time. I'm trying to figure things out, figure things out. And um, as a poet, you know, as a poet, you're supposed to be able to let people visualize what you see and stuff. Um, you know, because you want people to feel, you know what I'm saying, your poem and stuff. Well, sometimes in rap, it's not always like that. It, they, people just rap, and you'd be like, oh, it sounds good. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck you're talking about, but it sounds good. You see what I'm saying? Well, he taught me how to, everything I say, somebody needs to be able to close their eyes and see it. 
You see what I'm saying? They need to be able to, to whether you like it or not, but they need to um, close their eyes and see what you're saying, right? Because then they'll feel it more. So I'm like, all right, cool. So um, one day, one time he took me to Miami and in Miami they had something called a poetry slam. And a poetry slam is almost like a competition. You know what I'm saying? Like, but this was like a huge competition where pretty much all of Miami were ran by poets, you know what I'm saying, for this whole weekend or whatever. And every bar or club on South Beach had a, had a night and then the winners go somewhere else and blah, blah. I'm only 18. I ain't never seen nothing like this day in my life. I'm like, what is going on here? You see what I'm saying? And then the whole ride from Tallahassee to Miami, I think it's another eight hours, might be 10, might be 10 hours, it's 10, 10, 12 hours, I think. So for the whole 10 hours, we're rapping, we're practicing, we're doing different stuff, you know what I'm saying? We're rapping. And I'm like, at first, I'm just thinking, like, this, is, this is cool, you know what I'm saying? I'm just getting better, blah, blah, blah. But when I got back to Dayton, I think that's when I started taking it serious, right before, right before I started improv and right after I graduated is when I really started taking it serious because now I had time. At first, I'm writing code. I ain't got time to do nothing else. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I ain't got time to do nothing else. I'm writing code. So um, when I graduated, I had a little bit of money to be able to afford studio time and videos and stuff like that. And now I can uh, use a lot of my time to actually write and get better. So that's when it kind of started. So I say it started around 10, 2010. My first album was 2012. And then uh, from there, you know, since so it's been growing from there. So and just trying to get better every single, every step of the way. So I've been to some of those. Um, what is it? What's the place here? Damn it. Well, I went to like a, some, it wasn't the moth, but I did go, I did go down to Kentucky to watch a friend do storytelling. But then mm -hmm. I, before I did that, I went to uh, yellow cab down the street. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sunday night, like poet, poetry slam. Yep. And yep. you know, I'm from rural Ohio. So that doesn't happen there. Like, mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't see any of that. Mm -hmm. And that was that was interesting to see that that community of yeah. storytelling. And uh, right about that time is actually when I started finding you as a as a uh, rapper uh, in there. I think mm -hmm. uh, what's that guy's name? Leroy. You know Leroy? I think he's yeah, on one Leroy. Of Leroy. Yeah, yeah. He's on one of your albums. I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, what is so? What is Man, I appreciate it. You, it seems like you've kind of always set high expectations or high goals for yourself with football, video games, music, improv. Is that, am I wrong there? Am I on to that? I would say so. Um, to a certain, I would say to a certain extent, um, a lot of the stuff that I, as far as where I'm at right now, I didn't foresee it. You know what I'm saying? Um, Which way? All Which I knew is, all I knew is I didn't want to live as an adult how I lived as a child. You know what I'm saying? So I just made sure that whatever my goal was, it, it didn't put me back in that situation. You know what I'm saying? Where I grew up and stuff like that. Or not in how I grew up, not necessarily where, but how I grew up. Um, but I think now I, I, I know more of my, I guess, purpose on this earth now. You know what I'm saying? I, I've kind of figured that out, I think. So I'm, now my goals, I do set high for myself now. Um, when I did the whole four-day by day thing last year, that was a very high goal that it, it didn't start. It didn't start as that. It was just like, I want to do, do a show at, um, at Metro Park. 
at a, a Metro Park or whatever. And then it was, and then it, then it grew to that. So it's like, it didn't start as that high thing, but once I get the ball rolling and my ideas start flowing, then it starts to grow from there. And, um, oh shoot, Hold on. it just works better from there. My, I got a, I got it on, what's the name of this night? It's falling apart. Hold on. Can you see me? Yeah, I got you. It's, it's on, but it's not staying up. Let me see. Uh, let me see if that works there. Okay, there you go. There you go. I think it's getting hot. I think that's what it's doing. I got you. So you, but, um, but yeah. So just for everybody who's, who is listening, and for me too, is what is for us by us, and, and or for for Dayton by Dayton? What I'm screwing it up. I'm getting, yeah. I'm for getting, us by us is Fubu. Fubu. <laughs> I'm getting Fubu in my head. I'm like. <laughs> Listen, what's up, David? I never heard no one spell out FUBU in so long. Because <laughs> when you said it, I said, What is that? I was like, Oh, he means FUBU. <laughs> oh, man. I just said that a couple times. I'm pretty sure I've talked about it in the Uber, too. I, I'm, I'm like, Yeah, us by us down in Dayton. I'm like, <laughs> anyway you say you're talking about your purpose is is that included in the purpose like what's the big what well tell everybody what it is uh and then tell me and then tell me kind of what your 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 vision of it what what's what's going to happen with it T tell them what four day and by day is yeah not food oh, my purpose uh, oh yeah um so four day by day it's yeah it started out as just a uh one to put on a show at at riverscape right um I've done a lot of shows, like I said, Black Box, Blind Bobs, uh, One Eye Jacks when they used to allow hip hop, stuff like that, right? But to me, it's like, I want to be on the big stage, quote unquote, in my own way. And I want to do it at Riverscape in front of people. You know what I'm saying? Um, hip hop always got a bad, like, vibe to it from other people that didn't really know about hip hop. And, and people put hip hop in this category for whatever reason of violence and everything like that. Um, I think that's just stereotype and a little bit of racism on that end to think that is the case. But um, I wanted to show that that's not, it's so much more than that, right? Um, everybody, like I said, everybody puts hip hop in the exact same category. When you when people hear the word rapper, they immediately think NWA for whatever fucking reason, right? And that's because what the media tells them. And what I think is, um, you got 96,000 different genres of rap, rock. 96,000 different genres of just rock. You see what I'm saying? Why can't, why, can't you, why can't you picture rap having a lot of different genres? Why can't you picture rap being a lot of different ways? A lot of people doing a lot of different things. You, you want, out of all these other, all these other uh, genres of music, you take rap and you put that together. That's, that's all it is. It's just rap. That's it. Everybody rap about the same thing. That's whack to me. You know what I'm saying? So uh, when I did it, I was like, okay, I want to do this. And then I was like, well, let me put some of my friends on because I'm pretty sure some of them ain't never, you know, some probably performed on Riverscape stage or whatever. Let's do it. So I was thinking maybe, uh, maybe a hundred people show up or whatever. Like just a few people just get up there and we just perform, just have a good time. And then I shared it. And within, I made an event page and within the, and I was going to like pay like $20 or whatever, you know, you promote it like $20 promote or whatever. Um, within a week and a half it had over 2,000 shares and I didn't pay nothing so I was like okay well I don't know 
I, I started getting anxiety. I'm like, I don't know what to do. I'm like, I didn't, I wasn't trying to make it this big. I don't know what's going on. You see what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, because, because I had to pay, I had to pay for everything. I, you know, you, you can't just go perform at Riverside. I had to rent it out. Not only did I have to rent it out, I had to get insurance. It was like stuff I didn't know at first. You see what I'm saying? So I was like, all right. So I was like, for this first one, I was like, let me just pay for everything and get it. I want to have a successful thing to be like, I did this. It was almost like a personal thing for me, right? Like I put this together. So um, I already had the name for Dayton by Dayton in my head. Like I'm gonna call my show for Dayton by Dayton, that type of thing. Right. But once it started growing, businesses started contacting me and said, Hey, do you mind if we show up and you know what I'm saying? Like maybe have a little booth or whatever, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, all right, cool. And then I was like, Oh, I'm like, now what I can do is I can name it is for Dayton by Dayton, but now it's, Dayton artists, Dayton local businesses. And it's now it's like Dayton has their own house party. We have our own citywide house party. You see what I'm saying? Um, and when you look at a lot of these festivals, if they happen this year, Celtic, uh, any type of festival, whatever, downtown, right? It's always never Dayton artists. It's always artists from other cities. They come here and perform. And I'm like, well, why can't we have our own festival? <laughs> it wasn't like, for us, even the back in the day when they had the Dayton Culture Festival and the Dayton Fly Festival, whatever, it was still artists not from Dayton performing there. You see what I'm saying? Like, I wanted this to be only Dayton. Let's be stingy for this day. For this day, let's celebrate the city of Dayton. You see what I'm saying? So um, when it happened, I think about eight, 900 people showed up. And I was like, oh my goodness. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I was not expecting that at all. And this was this was like maybe a solid two months of prep. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I didn't know. I learned so much. Like I didn't know uh, what, how long stuff would take for us to food vendors. And I didn't know any of that shit. This was all because like I said, because like I said, it didn't start off as this. It just started. I just wanted to perform. So I didn't, I had to learn on the fly. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and to do all this stuff. So it was supposed to happen this year, but of course they canceled everything. But I had everything set up. I had vendors all ready to go. I had the artists already. We was just ready to perform. At the end of the day, we was just ready to perform. Promote and perform. I couldn't even promote it because shit closed down in March. You know what I'm saying? So it was no point in me promoting. Um, and and it was a uh, it was a good time, man. And like everybody, I mean, everybody. I was fucking Daytona of the week for that shit or some shit or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Like everybody loved it. And the best part about it was the best part about it. Out of all that, the best part about it was. Not one cop showed up. 900 people. There was not one cop on the scene. We had no issues. We had no drama, no issues. Everybody just came out to have a good fucking time. But you said rap is violence. That, no, no, no. Yeah, that's what they, they said, right? But, oh, let me tell you a story. Um, I, um, for me to get insurance, you know, you got to get insurance for the event. You got to get event insurance or whatever, right? Um, I went through Progressive. And there's this... Um, like you do it online, you can fill out everything or whatever online. So at the point when you say you want to get an insurance for an event, they ask you what music is being played at the event. They got a whole list or whatever, right? So I select, um, I select rap, um, I select rap slash hip hop, and I select poetry, because that's mainly who it was. Um, Trey Craig had his band, Seth Gilman Effect News. They performed too, fucking amazing group. They uh, they perform too, but they're not rapping in Atlanta, just just band or whatever. So I put you know some rap and hip hop. And when I clicked, when I clicked okay, it said, um, we can't, you can't continue with the, the, uh, the form because these music is considered high risk. So 
we have you have to call someone has to call you personally and talk to you about the uh the event or whatever right and i was like okay so i was like well fuck progressive i'll find somebody else right so then i started working through um through uh state farm so i started working through state farm and uh, not state farm not state farm um uh i can't i can't remember the other i can, honestly can't remember the other one because this was even worse um Farmers I actually insurance. got to it. Huh? Farmers insurance? It was one of the big ones. It was one of the big ones. They got commercials. <laughs> it was one of the big ones. Um, and they, uh, I actually got through to them saying, okay. But my mistake, I put, um, I was supposed to put, uh, I think I was supposed to put event or something like that. And I put something else because I was confused on, it's an event, but I'm the performer. You know, it was, like, it was one of them situations, right? So I think I put performer or something like that. And um, Metro Parks needed a certain type of uh, certificate, a certain type of information that what I selected, they didn't have. So I had to call this insurance place to get that information from. So as I'm talking to the guy, he was like, yeah, yeah we can help you with that. I'm like, all right, cool. He was like, um, he was like so you're, you're a performer, right? I was like, yeah, I'm performing, but it's my event. It's a whole event that I'm you know, doing. Because I guess I, it made it seem like I was just getting insurance for me or some shit like that instead of the entirety of the event. And he was like, oh, you get, he said, you get insurance for the event? For, I was like, yeah. He was like, oh, you got the, he said, well, this is the wrong form. It's the wrong form. And I was like, um, I was like okay. I was like, what, what do I got to do? He was like, oh, what, what, uh, what kind of music is at the event? I was like, just uh, rap and hip hop, hip hop and uh, like poetry and stuff. And he was like, oh, he was like, unfortunately, we don't insure hip hop music events right now because they're, because we feel like our insurance policy said they're too high of a risk. So we can't, we can't do that right now. So this is not even progressive. This is somebody else. And I'm talking to him. So the insurance companies are high. And I'm thinking to myself, so when he, when he said it, I kind of got defeated. And I'm like, well, what do, I, what do I do? I don't know. You know so I, don't, I don't know what to do. You know what I'm saying? Because I know there's hip-hop events in this world. The right. fuck do, what the fuck do I do if I can't? You know what I'm saying? Um, and like I said, I'm paying for this all myself. So I'm like, I'm, if you're talking about high risk, I know you're going to charge me out the ass for this show. And it was... This, it was um, it was discouraging because you've heard my music. I know my music. It's not like that. So now I got to prove myself. You know what I'm saying? And I know my music isn't like that, right? And, and you know what I'm saying? My, my crowd ain't even like that. That ain't even my vibe. So I wouldn't even allow that, you know what I'm saying, in the place anyway. So, um, so I ended up going to a local place. Uh, then they're called Rikely, Rikely Insurance. They're uh, they out in Beaver Creek. They got me in. Uh, Hip-hop, whatever logo, they got me in. I... I don't want to work with nobody else. I'm working with them from here on out. They're going to always have my business. It, and it was seamless, no issues, cool, ready to go. So once I did it, everything was good. But it was, it was, and, and my, my main goal was to show these other businesses downtown that you can have hip hop at your establishment. You got to be able to figure out what kind you want. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you can't go in there just thinking all hip hop is the same because you're going to be hugely uh, misinformed when someone come in that establishment you didn't want there. You see what I'm saying? Like, you got to be able to do the homework. You do the homework for anything else, other type of music that bring, you bring in there. Do the homework. If you, if you, if this artist said, hey, listen, I want to uh, perform it, blah, blah. All right, give me, give me, give me three or four days. You go look at their music, listen to their music. If you don't want them in your style because of how they, what they talk about, that's your, that's still your prerogative. But don't knock out an entire genre at once off the of generalization. You see what I'm saying? But but it's also letting them know that like 
we can we can help your establishment. We can be in here. We can have a good time. You can bring good music, and it can be hip hop. And um, my deeper message for that was the reason why I wanted um, uh, Seth get him in the fake news there is because I wanted people to know that this isn't about just putting on an all hip hop show. This is showing Dayton that hip hop can be included in this Dayton music scene. So it's like, yeah, this is a show with all types of music, but hip hop is the driving force. Like hip hop brought this festival together and we're letting you know that we appreciate and accept all genres of music. If we would have did it this year, I had more, I had, um, I had even more bands than that. You know what I'm saying? Um, I had like uh, a guy, he uh, played piano, he played piano, the girl played uh, like um, acoustic guitar. That's all he did, they just sung. They was gonna perform. I wanted the entirety of Dayton, all types of music there, but don't forget that hip hop is the driving force of it. You see what I'm saying? And I wanted them to show that we, we can be included because if I exclude, I'm doing the exact same thing they're doing. So I wanted to include all type genres of music, showing we can all do this together. You can have a show if you want to, Blonde Bob, if they wanted to, they can have a show where you got rock and hip hop and whatever all in one. If anything, you'll have more people in the fucking stand, I mean, the seats, because you get all types of genres in there for they all to come and enjoy music. But everybody likes to pick one thing. It's like, okay, I'm gonna just do bands. I'm gonna just do rock. You see what I'm saying? Instead of including everything, and it, and it gets frustrating, especially in Dayton, because it's a lot of Dayton artists that's really good hip hop artists, and they don't get a lot of looks or a lot of respect in the uh, in the city when it comes to music and stuff. That's a lot right there uh, that you touched on for sure. And I think, like you said too, for us by us, man. Or jeez, at this point, it sounds like it's on purpose. <laughs> I know, I know. Damn. <laughs> I, I guess I guess why I say that is because I, I'm from Dayton, right? And like so, like yeah. in my, like for Dayton by Dayton. Oh yeah, I got you. Yep, yep, yep. I got you. Like, yep, 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 yeah, I got you. You know, it's it's our thing. I got you. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. So it see it seems bigger than what you anticipated too. Yes, yes. And then not just the event, but the type of movement. And I I I love it because it does seem that we support. Like for me, I, I know that I had for a long time taken care of other people that are more strangers to me than my closer friends, family, significant other, or myself. And even to your point with all these other festivals that are happening, it's we go support other bands by bringing them in and not realizing that there are people here that yeah, like, oh, they're from Dayton, we should know who they are, but we don't. And the thing is, is we, I think Dayton is a close city with its people. And I, that is in comparison to other places that are not as close. However, yeah. what I'm realizing is how much we still need to get connected. There's still so much distance between different communities, whether that's just down to Kettering or uh, you know, I mean, this is talk Dayton. And so I think, I think bringing a focus and a highlighted focus with your event, uh, one, it's like now I'm more inspired to get involved with it and figure out how one, I can be involved or help. I like that. And then two is like how other people can really help. Cause I think it's unfortunate that obviously COVID hit and stuff. Um, but I feel like how, 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 how can things adapt and still accomplish that mission 
of bringing because one thing you're you're changing you're changing the perspective of hip-hop artists really mm-hmm. it's not just the genre of music but the people that are behind it because you tell me you're a rapper and i instantly like you said i'm gonna think that you whatever the stereotypes and, and mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about the movement of the genre but it's about the movement of the people who are participating in the genre and changing the yes. thoughts of the stereotypes that are along with it so how and i don't think that just because COVID's here that we should ignore that i think how do we mm-hmm. how adapt and still accomplish that mission uh especially on a local level I, I think i think it's really big and i think it's important too so what do we do Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the first thing is let me think. I'm trying to think of the right way of saying it. Um, it sounds basic and cliche, but stepping out of your comfort zone. You know what I'm saying? Like, where a lot of people in Dayton are okay with differences as long as the differences doesn't interfere with what we do on a day to day basis. You, you, does that make sense? You see what I'm saying? I like go into it a little bit more. Yeah. So like, like, oh, it's it's cool that you guys do hip hop and stuff. That's fine. I, don't, I have no I have no issue with hip hop, and they probably don't, unless it involves you coming over up in this space. Now I got now I got an issue with hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like that, right? Um, and it's just about being open to to change, um, research. You know what I'm saying? Um, understanding the difference. Like if I sat there and said, um. If I if you if you told me you was in a rock band and I immediately thought all you do on there is scream your scream your lungs out, you probably thinking like, that is that not even close to what I do. You'll feel some type of way about that. Because I immediately jumped off the fence and went straight there. Because that's stereotype, so that's what rock music is. Yell at the top of your lungs and don't say no words. And just play the guitar until you you bust a window or something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You smash guitar. That's all you do. And you're probably thinking, that is not what we do at all. Our music is more laid back, blah, 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 blah. But it's still considered rock. So it's one of them things. And um, it's it's hard because, like, I'm not in a position to, like, I don't I don't really own no business or nothing like that. So I don't know what they, only thing I can do is think is, like, hear, hear people out. At least give them the time of day to hear them out. If if I come to you and say, listen, um, you have a you have a good establishment here. I want what you think about it. like with me in the pack, um, the band, the group, or whatever. So I'm like, yo, we we want to come in and just be a, like a house band, just perform for your customers and everything like that while they come in. Just hear it out. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't just ah, just hear it out. Just that's that's the first step. Hear it out. Consider. Didn't make didn't make your choice. You're making me think of the salad that you talked about. Because I was going to say melting pot, but you're talking about the salad. And I feel like, what's, what's the bowl? What's the lettuce? You know, what's the base of that? Because I do believe that most people are inherently good people. Or, mm-hmm. But we're not in the situation. We're not in the bowl. We're not with the lettuce. Um, to, and what I mean by that is, like, everybody just stays in their own pockets. And they like usually yep. like thing like they don't step a lot out of their comfort zone. But I also don't feel like there's usually an environment to do that. That's what I think is so unique about the improv studio is when you say comedy mm-hmm. and you say laugh, it's so general enough that all people want to do it, and they go do it, and then you kind of experience, which brings up a whole different like maybe we should talk about it. I don't know, but 
the way we idolize people and, and, and one thought at a time, I guess. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think in, in date, like for me, I learned so much from going to Cuba and learning and traveling and being with those people. And I'm being kind of like the outcast. You learn so much when you do that. And I don't think that you really have to go to Cuba or to India, Europe, Antarctica, wherever you want to go to throw yourself Mm -hmm. into a different culture. Like for me, uh, listening to your music or listening, going to the tavern or the yellow cab to listen to uh, poetry slam, like getting in those little pockets of culture, you start to open up and realize kind of other people's lives and find common ground. You start to understand them more. And I think when you start to understand people more, you start to have more empathy. I think that's what's missing is a lot is that people stay in their, their fishing group or they stay and which is fine. I think you should do what you like to do, but I think it's important that people get outside of those, those comfort zones, those normal spots. So that, because in everyday life, we still are going to merge with other people, whether it's at work or on the, on the highway, when we're driving traffic or we're having an event at the Metro parks, like there's still going to be that mesh of people that if, unless you, you purposely seek it out and seek to understand like there's going to be a lot of conflict. And I think it's, a, it's a, that's kind of what I think is important about the four, four dating by dating, other than just bringing awareness to something, bringing businesses together, bringing artists together that are here, mm-hmm. bringing awareness to that. But it's also just like bringing pieces of the salad together so that they can have a conversation, a real conversation, a real understanding of what yes. life is like. And I just don't think that happens yes. enough. It just doesn't happen enough. And um, that's nail on the head. Um, like, so my thing is if four day and by day can be that, that starter, right? Everybody, every business that comes, because even, because um, honestly, Barrel House, when Barrel House, when Gus showed up and he was at the four day and by day, he told me, he said, listen, this is fucking amazing. He said, this right here, he looked around, he said, this is amazing. He said, next time you do this, I, we are going to be a part of this. This is amazing. That's what we need from businesses. That's what we need from businesses is to come show up, see, just look and see how positive it is. And then you take that knowledge back to your business. And I'm not talking about like, it's not, it's not, necessarily, not necessarily specific to, or you need music in your establishment. If you don't want it, you don't want it. I understand that. But I'm talking about being open to other cultures, other people, never like that. And just being accepting, if anything, just being accepting of other people in other cultures. I can't, I can't imagine if everybody was accept, accepting, like almost like a yes and situation. If everybody was accepting, you can't do anything but grow from that point. You grow. If you're accepting of all different people in your establishment, that means all different people in your establishment can be part of your establishment, be a part of your, which means your business will grow. That's interesting. It's really making me think of yes, you saying yes and, and, in the world of improv, it's, it's cliche, or people who know mm-hmm. of it, it's cliche, but it's really, really powerful. And in my head, I'm actually getting a vision, right? I have a seed, uh, I'm, I'm gonna plant a seed, and it's a cucumber seed, and I plant it in the ground, and what yes and is, 
is I leave that one there and I say, yes, I'll water you. Yes, I'll let you grow. And, and then I take another cucumber seed and I plant it beside there. And now we have two that are growing. And then I say, yes, I'm going to nurture both of these and I'm going to add another one. People often, like, they plant the seed and then pluck it right back out, right? They're saying no. And nothing, nothing, nobody prospers in that. No one, like, you stay in your lane. That's kind of what I feel like people are doing. I don't know if that yeah. made any sense analogy-wise. No, no, no. I'm, 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 no, no. I'm going to go in even deeper because it did make sense. So, say, for instance, um, let's use the four-day by dating. What you just said, like, uh, an ideal business will see the four-day by dating. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take this seed and I'm going to plant it and I'm going to water it. And I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, right? It's for it to grow. Somebody else is going to look at this and be like, okay, I feel like I have to. So I want you to see me planting this seed. You see me planting it? I'm doing it. But then when, the, when everybody's not looking, they're not watering it. They're not growing or whatever, right? They're not adding to it. They just wanted you to see them planting the seed. So now they think that satisfies what's supposed to be done, right? Dude, that makes me think so much about the current situation. I think I wrote a post about it or did a video. It seems that way. For example, driving Uber. I'm going to tie all this together. But driving Uber, we had all those tornadoes, you know what I mean? And everybody, the day one, after everyone was safe and we kind of did the thing, like everybody's going out and helping, dropping off waters, dropping off food cutting down trees, helping people board up their house if they can. And then from a standpoint, you don't see it in the news. You don't see it anymore. People really volunteer. People go back to quote unquote normal, their own shit. But yet I'm driving around and I still see it. I still see the destruction that a lot of people are living. And the thing, the the reason I bring that up is because now it's starting to happen with like one, just people's issues, right? Like we bring a light to it for a little bit and people have these issues and they're an alcoholic or they are abusive to themselves or they're an addict to themselves and they bring it up and they ramp something up, right? They show everybody that I'm supposed to be planting this seed and, and then they neglect it and they don't do anything with it and it's all for show. It's all for like, hey, let me show this. So I work on myself for a little bit or I work on the tornado thing or I work on COVID and it's just, it just seems to see that like these shit, these things don't really go away unless you start really planting the seed, giving yourself the new yourself and the community and other people like reasons to grow. Yes. Anding them and then mm-hmm. helping somebody else plant their seed and so on and so forth. I just feel like I'm, I guess I'm a little, I'm talking about more current situation, but I'm nervous that like all this yeah. stuff is falling back into the, quote unquote normal. And it's like, no, I think we're being exposed on all sorts of levels. One, because we can, mm-hmm. we have cameras everywhere and videos and we can mm-hmm. share it. But it's like, that's one thing. Awareness to it is one thing, but what is the action that is following? And it's, it's, it's events like this. It's bringing people together. And I mean, talking about the concept is, uh, I actually need to reach out to you about this uh, idea that I have. It's, it's called Improv the USA. And the whole baseline of that is improv to me, CrossFit even to me, not necessarily CrossFit in general, but just looking into the fitness world and the, the ideology behind it. Cross or improv for me has made me better across the board. It's opened my me up. It's opened up my communication skills to articulate better and communicate with others to make sure that others hear what I have to say so that I can hear what others have to say. 
And like we talked about, it's like that salad where we're bringing all these different types of people together on common ground. And now we have an appreciation for each other's backgrounds and personalities and who you are. And so for me, it's like, how do we create more environments for Dayton by Dayton? Uh, improv, how do we, Improv the USA, how do we create environments for this connection that's actually going to have long-term, like you tell, improv's not leaving you. Like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Or once you're in it, you can't unlive it. And how do we, how do we create environments or pockets or buckets for other people to do that? And I think you're doing that with for Dayton by Dayton. And that's the whole thing I want to do with, uh, you know, Improv USA is I, I, I want to create an online community that the membership for it, the access to the information, the access to the community of it pays for, like you, you said, I actually went there right when you said African-Americans, they don't have access to, they don't, maybe they don't have access. That's not a fact that I know, but you're telling me that they don't do improv that much. And my thing is in the city, they probably don't even know it exists in the city yeah. and they don't yeah. have access to it. And so how do we create income so that the theater still provide, can provide students with, you know, they get money sponsors, basically a sponsorship program for kids and younger people to be able to have access to improv education and communication skills, because not only that, they get to open up and be artistic, which is what you're supporting artists, which are restaurateurs and entrepreneurs are all artists. Yeah, I know. Um, when I think of improv, I think Justin told me this and it kind of made sense. It was funny, but it was like, uh, he was like, improv is pretty much a, a college white boys type of thing. He was like, it's not a lot of, you know, so think, if it's not a lot, you know what I'm saying? It's, those are the type of guys, you know what I'm saying? That normally does improv or whatever. Um, I know on the West side, like I said, I didn't know improv was a thing until I saw the damn coupon. You see what I'm saying? And I was already, 27 didn't know improv was a thing until i saw the coupon you know what i'm saying um and it went from there like it's the improv theater right now is in dayton in uh, downtown dayton it's a lot of people on the west side that don't go downtown and no reason to go downtown there's nothing downtown for them you know and there's nothing over there you see, and just and just think if if um just never built uh the improv theater only people that would have been done that done improv was in college. It's not, it, it was not a thing. You see what I'm saying? Like he built it in 2012. It was nothing before that. So it's, 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 it's clear to me that it's easy for a lot of people not to even know it exists. You see what I'm saying? Like think about it. It's been open to 2012. It's still people who don't even know it exists in Dayton. They don't live in Dayton. That's the point about for us by, or for Dayton by Dayton. Mm -hmm. is, is people, I mean, which is great. I think, I think excitement and not knowing everything about any, uh, everything is what's exciting. But the fact that we're not actually going out to find these things, we're not talking about these things and, and um, exposing these, these businesses, these arts, uh, these artists. Like, I drive Uber, people have, oh, we have a theater? Is that the funny bone at the green? No, it's not the funny bone at the green. It, it's in downtown. I can't go downtown. And, <laughs> and, and so I just, and a lot of everything is with what's going on with, you know, Black Lives Matter is, is just education. People are so unaware right now 
of the things that are beneficial for them and that exist out there for them to educate themselves and, and communicate with themselves. Um, you talked about earlier, you talked about, I kind of wrote that down is you, you started at Meadowdale with 90%, what you're saying is uh, 90 to 10% black to white. Then you went to God mm -hmm. and then you went to Wright State, which was like, again, five. <laughs> And, you know, so you've had what I would say, you know, a fortunate experience of growing up in different environments. I, I mm -hmm. grew, uh, rural, I grew up in rural Ohio and I mean, there was hardly any, you know, black to white ratio was probably similar to Meadowdale. However, because of what my dad did, there were, there was diversity with who he who, who was raised there. And so I had an education that most kids in rural Ohio don't have. And right now, that's, I think that's the biggest thing is that we need, we need to find common ground for people to have a sense of humanity and humility. And so one, I just say awesome that you're doing for date by date. And I, I want to collaborate with you a little bit on like how, how we can come up with a scenario where just because you can't use the, the, the stage now, how, how else, could you, could you bring it to people? Yeah, we can definitely have that conversation. That, that, I think that can work. We can definitely have that conversation. You just got to be away. And I, I mean, mm -hmm. when it comes to improv, you talked about, it, it made me think of like, there, man, where was it? There was a conversation a while back. I don't know if it was on radio, podcast, movie, but when you talk about a lot of, especially in Dayton, and I, it, I'm not the most educated person on this by, by any means. I don't study it. But if you go to, in Dayton, to a lot of the areas where there's a higher black population versus a white population, they don't have access to what you're telling me. They don't have access to, one, the transportation to get downtown. There's nothing down there for them. So therefore, it is a white person's thing because they get to do it in college. And it made me think of, the, of sports like hockey, right? Like, you can only do hockey when you have a bunch of money to buy skates and a, and a puck and things like that. Like versus in the lower uh, earning communities, it's it's a basketball is cheaper, a football is cheaper. You know, uh, baseball mm -hmm. gloves not even cheap. So you just play the sports that you can play, and you're only exposed to those mm -hmm. things. But what else is out there that you know is is, is what do, I'm 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 trying to talk about like so many things at one time. I'm losing my train of thought. Oh, well. So, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. There's that. It, it, we're just talking. It's all good. Yeah, all good. Fine. I'm good with it. I just feel like there's there's a huge education gap here and that one, for Dayton by Dayton can, can help. And just like, what do you think of everything going on right now? I, I, that was one of the questions I want to ask and put off. What do you think about everything going on right now? Um, I think you got – Good perspectives. I'm uh, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm upset by what's going on. Um, I see a um, I'm a, I'm upset by why it's going on. Maybe not. I'm not upset by what's going on. I'm, I'm upset by why it's happening. Like um, you you could like, I, don't, I guess the the police brutality thing is. It's just it's just frustrating that it's still happening. You see what I'm saying? Um, and I think what bothers me the most is that you still see people not getting it. 
like the ones that's that's like when you when they do the whole black lives matter the ones who still say all lives matter and it's like they just don't get it it's, it's so frustrating that it, it's almost hard to put into words that they can feel that way about another human and still and still not get it you know what i'm saying like like um i'm trying to think of the right words man because it's, it's it's so frustrating um you know the the whole the whole thing is, you know, someone say Black Lives Matter, somebody say Well, all lives matter, and it's like you get tired of saying, "Duh, we know that." What we're telling you is that our lives don't. That's why we're saying Black Lives do matter. You see, you see what I'm saying? Like we never said Black Lives Matter any more than anybody else's. Just matters. Just the just the most basic thing. Just matters. Um, and people still say, well, all lives matter. You see what I'm saying? And it's like, and they only say it in response to, they never, they never just come out and say it. You see what I'm saying? And my thing is like, if you feel all lives matter, then you should be upset by George Floyd, what happened. If you feel all lives matter, you should be furious that that happened. But they're not. They're only, they're only saying it in response to Black Lives Matter. They're not upset that George Floyd died, but they say all lives matter. And that's the issue. That's that's my issue. And, and and the fact that like, um, it's this is still going on, right? Racism is taught. You don't you don't wake up and you just racist the next day. It's taught. Somebody in your house taught you, and somebody in their house taught them. You see what I'm saying? Um, even when you was talking about the whole, uh, you know, a lot of people grew up in your neighborhood, whatever, and they didn't really see a lot of black people, right? To me, that is perfectly fine. You not seeing a black person for most of your life has nothing to do with you hating black people. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I do. Ignorance, ignorance, is, ignorance is going to come because you don't know. You, you haven't been around. You don't know. So ignorance is going to be there. But the hate is the issue. The hate. I wasn't, like I said before, medical when I, I wasn't around a lot of white people. I was, you know, okay. And fuck, I didn't hate them. I just wasn't around them. I don't know what to tell you. I, I didn't hate them. just wasn't around them. But now I am. Have no issue with him. No issue with anybody. You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't hate LGBTQ people. I don't hate them. I I, I just don't. You know what I'm saying? Like I, they, 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 it's no reason for me to hate them because of who they are. You see what I'm saying? You hate somebody, if you're gonna hate somebody, hate somebody about for what they did, not who they are. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So um it's it's just uh it's it's just it's frustrating, man. And and like I said, it's like I understand the um what I do like is how many people have stepped up and said something, right? But my thing is like saying it is planting the seed, right? If you do nothing else after you said it, then you you haven't you haven't watered it, you haven't done anything. You just said it, and then we'll be right back at square one. We still not getting we're still not getting our vegetables. We're still not growing. I was just gonna ask is do you do you feel like there do you not feel do you believe that things are actually getting better at all i think i think um I can't say that because the awareness is at an to me this is a personal opinion i don't personal i think to me the awareness is at an all time high so I do think things are getting better because that awareness is up there now everybody's aware of what's going on, right? You're, or you are aware. Now, now that you're aware, you have the free will to choose. 
either you're going to help and help this country to become a better country, or you're going to choose to not to and let it be the way it is. Because now you are aware. You can no longer, you can no longer claim ignorance anymore. You are now aware of what's going on. You have a choice to make. That's, that's the biggest thing. And, and that's the, to me, I guess I'm more of an awareness type of guy. Like how, because I watched uh, Just Mercy like two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever. You seen Just Mercy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue, I, to your point about All Lives Matter and people saying that, not getting it and I mean I agree with that and you're clearly people are upset about what they saw from George Floyd what I think is still people are so unclear about is not just the violence but the way that people are how they stereotype rap music what you're talking about is rap music is violence and it's wrapped into saying Black people are a liability. And that's just not, that's, that to me is something that is, is not being talked about a lot that I hear about, is the other, mm-hmm. the, the viewpoint, the perspective, the, the global perspective in this country of when you see someone with darker skin, you're supposed to think this way about them. Therefore, then when you do, when you have fear of them, you, you do treat people different when you're fear. You get, all, you get on guard, you know? And so I think that there's just so many aspects of this. And one of the things that you talk about is just having an awareness. So the reason I brought up Just Mercy is because I told, and the reason I brought up where my hometown is, is because, and I agree with you, you have a certain level of humanity no matter how you, you, you're raised, right? You have a humanity. And it doesn't matter who you're around. I, I put my kids around anybody and they're, they don't see that, right? So it's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. It's very obvious that it's taught. But the reason I brought up Just Mercy is because I, I was taught that racism, this was my viewpoint of it, whether it's my own lack of care, uh, I can only be honest with where I'm at. But when I saw Just Mercy, I, I, I saw racism and slavery as years and years and years and years ago. This is my viewpoint on it. That's what I was taught. And I don't feel bad saying that because I feel like we're talking about awareness here. And then when you see Just Mercy and you realize that um, he's played by O'Shea or uh, Ice Cream. Yeah, thank you. He, he was just released like five years ago. And that it was all not like this was all in the 90s. And man, I watched that and I cried and then I wept. And afterwards it just came over me because I, I, I felt a lot of guilt for not realizing whether they were my own biases or my own ignorance or my lack of awareness. But I think, what am I trying to say? Awareness is just key. It's just so key to bringing light to more, more than just, not in lieu of, but yes and, yes and to George, what happened to George Floyd is like, the perspective and stereotyping that we have on people who have dark skin. It's just, mm-hmm. and, and when you get pulled over, like the stories I hear of people getting pulled over and like how often people get, you know how many times I've been pulled over and like, 
it's just I don't get asked the questions people get asked the questions who have dark skin and it's just it's just like those are the issues on top of the monster act that that guy whatever that cop's name is I don't know his name mm-hmm. um, I just mm-hmm. It's just a topic that I wanted to have a conversation with you because I know yeah. that I know you're thoughtful on these sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the crazy thing about it, like I, I did a song called uh, Massa and um, yes, it came out a few years ago. I did this on Massa and in the video, I uh, the video was all my idea. My friend Joel uh, Levinson uh, directed it for me. And in the video, you know, we starts out, we start out in slavery or whatever, right? And we're just, we're just asking questions. So I'm like, you know, say, hey, Massa, why are you always beating us? I'm just asking Massa questions, right? And then the second verse, we go to civil rights time. Well, thank you for the freedom, but why can't we use the same restroom as you? You know, why is this happening? Blah, 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 right? And in the, in the video, you see these different things happening. Well, in the third verse, it's a, it's a situation where me and uh, Trey Craggett, we get pulled over by a cop, right? And then it's this thing that happens or whatever in the video, and then the cop gets nervous because Trey dropped his license. The cop got nervous and shot Trey, right? Now, as he's walking back to the car, he's in the slave master uniform. Even though it's present day, he's in this, the cop has, is now in the slave master uniform. It's showing that it has not changed. That, that, that mentality has not changed at all, right? And it's because that's the depth almost depth of systemic racism like it's it's in the system it's there like it's as a uh and sometimes it's hard for me because you know sometimes I, you try not to think about it or whatever right but then i sit back and i think like me as a black person it's it's hard for me to know and, and and be comfortable with knowing somebody is threatened by me because of the color of my skin you're threatened by me although you was beating us for 400 years but you're threatened by me, and I've heard I've heard so many different types of stories. Um, matter of fact, uh, two two months ago, May May, so uh, early early May, I was in another state. I'm not gonna say the state. I was in another state, and I got pulled over. Oh, I got pulled over by a cop on the highway, and a sheriff on the highway. He pulled me over because he said I emerged within 300 feet of a semi truck. So, so, so when he said it, I was like, I'm thinking, I've never heard of this. This wasn't in driving school. I've never heard of this a day in my life. I didn't pull over in front of that semi to where he had to blow his horn. Like, what are you doing? It was just me and the semi on the road. I, I went around the semi because it's a two lane, a two lane uh, highway, whatever, right? I went around because I know in some states, um, you can only use the left lane if you're trying to pass somebody. You can't just stay in the left lane. You only use the left lane if you're trying to pass somebody. So I was trying to pass the semi, so I used the left lane. And when I used the left lane, the cop was parked there, whatever, right? I knew it was, I was going to speed limit, so I wasn't tripping. But um, so I drove past him. Then after a while, you know what I'm saying, when I got in front of the semi, I went back in the right lane because I don't want to get pulled over from staying in the left lane too long. So I pulled over into the right into the right lane, and I see the cop come out. I'm not thinking none of it because I knew I wasn't speeding. At this point, I'm not nervous. I'm just driving. No issues. So, um, so uh, he he put he he's uh, like I'm on the right lane. He's in the left lane, but he's not passing me. He's staying like a little bit behind me. 
I know he's about to pull me over because if he, he ain't no point in him standing behind me. He's about to pull me over. Then he gets right behind me. Lights, uh, I'm pulling over. Ain't no issue. You know what I'm saying? Like, as soon as, as, soon as the lights hit, I pull over. I, I ain't stupid. So when he gets over there, he tells me this thing, and I was like, oh, oh okay. I didn't know it was a thing. Me, I'm not, I'm not, I can't even sit here and lie and say I was taught to speak to cop the right way. My parents didn't really teach me that, but it's just through society, you learn it. You know what I'm saying? But um, I was just, I, I didn't do anything. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't nervous, really wasn't tripping like that. Um, you know, so I'm like, okay, I didn't know it was a thing. He was like, oh, yeah, it's a, uh, you know, 300 feet, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, all right, cool. He take my license, go, go to the car, then he comes back. So he hands me my license. He was like, uh, do, you, uh, do you have any um, drugs or anything in the car? And I was like, uh, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like, like, do you have any uh, cocaine, uh, marijuana, heroin, anything like that? And I, I chuckled, but not, not nervously, but it was like, I truly was like, I don't know where the fuck these questions coming from because I know I don't have it. So I'm like, uh, no. So he was like, it's just something I got to ask people. It's just something I ask everybody, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right. So then he asked, can I search your car? And, I was, and when he asked, he's like, can I search your car? I said, yeah, go ahead. And I was, I was like, yeah, no problem. So then he was like, oh, no, no, I don't need to. I'm, I'm okay. He's like, I just, he's just something I ask people, you know, saying this is blah, blah, blah. You, you, you have a nice day. I'm like, why would you ask to search my car if you weren't going to search it? Like, why would you ask me that question to search my car if you wasn't going to search it? Now, I'm sure there's somebody that's going to hear this and be like, well, you know, the law says they got to ask and blah, blah. He, he pulled me over because he said I merged within 300 feet of a semi. <laughs> Never heard that. And then asked me if I had any drugs and if he could search my car. Well, you know, you know that I'm supposed to, you know, have this vision of what 300 feet really is and get the tape measure. <laughs> Oh, I'm like, how did you know, cop? I was, I was in front of him. He, he's looking behind me. How did he know how far I was when I first went to the extra semi? Yeah, no one's ever asked. Only, no one's ever asked me. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I was like, I don't, I, I was like, I never. And here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though. I, I've never been the one that's gonna say all cops are bad because that's the truth. We are. That's another thing. Nobody has said all cops are bad. Nobody has said all cops are bad. But those who say all lives matter assume that we mean all cops are bad. That's not what anybody has ever said. They've never said it. I've, I've, ran a, I've purposely ran a red light in front, in front of a cop before. And he's like, oh, it's okay, I understand. And let me go. So I know it's not all cops aren't bad. You see what I'm saying? I know that. But um, that was the first time I've ever been asked to have my car searched. Especially when I know I didn't do anything. And it was it was weird because I'm like, man, you know what I'm saying? Here we go. And then and then not even being funny. I'm like, man, I'll probably make more money than this cop. But it doesn't matter. You know, like, but it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm just a black guy. He, he can't let, if, if I was an NFL player and he didn't know me, I'd treat the same way. That's the that's the other thing that I think is just we we've gotten to this point. There was it was eerily true. And I know it was posted for like funniness, but it was like, it was a meme. It was a two layer meme. And it said, uh, white people 364 days out of the year. And it was like holding Confederate flags and like make America great again hats and like image of, you know, or send them over the border is what it was. And then 
Cinco de Mayo. Hey, let's go get tacos and tequila. And it was all about sending them back, like, you know, build a wall. But that's what it was. Build a wall, build a wall. And then mm-hmm. one day out of the year. Mm-hmm. Unless you're in the NFL, unless you're in the NBA, unless you're in a, a, a high perf- a famous person, insert celebrity famous person, it's so, like so many people like put these people, they put race aside. That's what I'm trying to say. They put race aside for the benefit of their entertainment. Yes. For their entertainment, which is watching yes. sports, which is yes. how it benefits me, then I'll appreciate your race. If it yes. doesn't benefit me, then it becomes a lie. You become as a person of color, a liability to me or a threat to me. Yes. And it's, yes. It's like, and then then it brings back and it's like, what have we done to be a threat to you? Not, of course, not you specifically, I'm saying in general, but yes. what, when it comes to the black race, what have we done? And I'm talking, when I speak, I speak to the races. I get you. I don't, I don't speak, I speak to the races, not just white, I speak to the races. Like, so what, what have we done to where you hate us this much? And, and then, and like, just truly just ask a racist person, what have they done? They can't, they won't have an answer because we ain't did shit. And that's, I, honestly, a lot of people unconsciously live their life this way. This, this, mm-hmm. this goes on. People do not think for themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they just, they, they go to the job and they do what they're told. And they, most people want that. I just want to go to my job and I just want to do what I'm told. But yep. like, and that's okay, right? Because it's just a job. But how many other things you're like, well, why do I talk to women that way? Well, why, why do I feel this way? Most people don't stop. And, and sometimes I get it. I get the fact that a lot of people are paycheck to paycheck. They're just surviving. You don't have time for that. But I also call bullshit, right? If, you don't, if you're starving for years and years and years and you literally have no one else, maybe you just need to move somewhere. I don't know. I just think there's, there's always a way. I've been through some shit. I'm very, very privileged. I, you know, I look back on that and I, sometimes I'm like, you're a knucklehead, Kale. Like You didn't realize how good you really do have things in comparison to a lot of other people. Mm-hmm. But I made decisions that put me at, at a worse position. So I do know what it feels like to be broke, depressed, lost, you know, certain things. I don't know mm-hmm. other things, but I do know those types of feelings. And I know that you've got to take mm-hmm. some accountability. And people just, in my opinion, are not taking enough responsibility for themselves. It's so much easier to poke holes at Kevin versus looking in the mirror and figuring myself out first. And I hear that too. Yep. We, we look on social media and we see how bad the world is, which is the truth. I actually had a conversation with somebody in the Uber today, which was like, man, I, you know, things are getting worse. Things are getting worse. And I said, well, what do you mean? Like, how do you, how do you really know that? And I'm not, not I'm, I come from a place of curiosity. I don't come a place from, I know it all. I would say maybe, and this, I, this is a 55-year-old black man, right? And mm-hmm. riding the car and... I was like, I just think it's easier to see now. I would say overall, I would hope that things are getting better. I really think things mm-hmm. on, a, on a level are getting better. Just going to the improv, right? 
somebody might come to the improv mm-hmm. and have a little biasy or might feel a certain way about certain people, whether it's, you know, someone who's gay, right? Or homophobic and their, their parents are homophobic. And so they might've gotten that a little bit, but then they get around the improv, like, these people are fine. So I think overall things are getting better, but things are just so visible. So many people have access to a video camera and so visible that it seems like it's so heavy all the time. Yeah. So, so yes, I agree. With what Things are getting better from, from where they were, you know what I'm saying? Years ago, years, years, years ago, things are definitely better, but that doesn't mean things are good. That doesn't mean you should stop. If that makes sense. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Just because you get abs doesn't mean like, I did it. I don't have to exactly. work out anymore. Exactly. I'm done working out. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's a, it's a, it is the life's process of that. And this pissed me off, man. I don't usually get pissed off. This pissed me off. I was on LinkedIn today. I'm trying to do some networking, obviously. And this lady posts something about Legos and how mad she is at Lego because they're banning their line of like first responders, of cops and uh, firefighters and EMT and army. And she's like, I'm calling Lego and I'm doing this. And I'm like, I didn't say anything because I don't want to be that way. And I'm just like, Lego, that's who you want to call right now? That's who you're upset with? Like, think about the energy that you are putting out there right now. And now I'm I'm fucking talking about it. It's like, we we just put our energy into, well, all lives matter. Well, we just put it into the shit that doesn't matter versus moving and progressing forward. Like we just don't do that. And it's so fucking frustrated, frustrating to see, to see people being aware and then if, talking about it and not taking real action on it. If she has the ability and the energy to call Lego and complain why can't she call the government and complain about what's happening in these streets? But she want to call Lego and complain about the fact that they ain't putting EMTs out there. You see that? And it, that that's to me that's an example of. Um, I don't. I guess I, I use the word racism. It's, it's an example of racism because look where her energy is going. That's where her energy shoes are going. She don't give a shit about George Floyd. Not even George Floyd. The fact that it keeps happening. She don't care. Oh, but you got, you, you're you going against cops. Okay, now I got an issue because you're taking cops out of Legos. Dude, let me, I got to pull this shit. I, gotta, I, 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 wish I, I wish I screenshot it. It says, parents, this is so wrong. You mean a, a company that makes plastic fucking toys is so wrong? What if, what if that, that's, that's that Karen mentality. <laughs> I just, it just, it's, that's the issue because I'm over here. I'm, I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm beating myself up. Cause I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm hustling right now, but I feel called to be doing something else or more. Like, what can I do? Right? Like I'm, I'm just becoming aware of this and I want to take action. And then I see signs that say silence is, is what it, what it, what it was it saying? Why silence is violent. Is that what the signs are saying? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, so where's the, where's the sanity that I can have for myself? How much effort and energy can I really put? I'm still a dad to a seven and five year old yeah. that doesn't get it. it like, so, so this, so this, this is my, this is my, this is my um, suggestion, right? 
and this is for anybody, right? Um, I'm speaking personally. I, I, I'm never think of me as the answer from from all black people. This is just, just me personally. Um, well, I go take that out. Yeah. <laughs> um, I am not expecting every white person on the face of this earth to be political giants all of a sudden, right? It's not. I, I'm not expecting that. What I what I would like to hope is, like someone like you with, with two two young kids, teach them early the right way. Educate have have them watch movies or documentaries, just make them aware, and how they should how they should be treating everybody, blacks, gays, everybody. Also, when people be like, well, what can I do? What can I do? When you see someone being racist, say something. Because, because so here's the thing, this is, what, this is what I think. I feel like every white person at some point, right or wrong, well, it's wrong, but everyone has been around somebody yes. has said, that said something racist. I'm not yeah. saying that white person, they, they've been around somebody that has said, said something, right? If you didn't say anything to them, why are they comfortable enough to talk to you about it? That they should be uncomfortable to talk to you about racism because they should know where you stand. If they're comfortable enough to talk to you about it, they don't know where you stand. And not saying you don't stand, not saying you're not against, but they just don't, they don't know. Because if you stood up to them and say, listen, that's not right and I don't want to have, don't say that shit around me because it's not right, blah, blah. They won't say it around you no more because they know where you stand. You see what I'm saying? And I'm talking about like family members, um, you know what I'm saying? Just straight, you know what I'm saying? If they saying something racist to you because they think it's a joke and they want you to laugh, if you don't say anything, they are now under the assumption they know where you stand and that's with them. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, um, my dad said something a long time ago about like uh, he made he made like a gay joke or whatever, and he said something like I can't remember what the joke was. It was something stupid, and it ended with like something like you know I ain't no I ain't no damn faggot or something. Like that. And I was like, you know that you can't you can't say that no more. That's not that's not really right. That's not a right thing to say anymore. You know, things have changed. You can't just be out here just saying that. My dad ain't said that to me no more. He know where I stand with it, and the reason why I said something to him about it because I have gay friends. You see what I'm saying? Because I care about the gay friends that I have. So if, 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 these, if, if, you're, if you're a white person out there and you have black friends that you truly, truly feel that they're your friends, not the whole, oh, I got black friends, I'm not racist. Not one of those. I mean, like, you know, so you have black friends. You see what I'm saying? If you have those, then you should be offended for us. So, they, they, so they, should, they should never feel comfortable enough to say these things to you. You should be furious as well. Like, no, no, you're not going to say that shit around me. It's not right. That's where people should start. I think it's powerful. And, I mean, and that's, that's powerful for me, too. Because, like I said, it makes me feel like, and I have. I have been around. I have, I have been through the, the, the cycle of it. Right where I grew up in rural Ohio, where making gay jokes or um, they were all jokes. It doesn't matter. Racist jokes, jokes. They were just jokes. Never did I feel that way or that I would behave in a way that was belittling or less humane. But then the culture was okay with that. We permitted that. And then you get to a point where like, I'm, I'm not okay with that. But then I permitted that. 
I didn't stop. And now to your point is like, and you know, I'm comfortable with my, my point in my life to say that I've fucked up, you know, and I've said things. And like, so I feel comfortable kind of saying this in this conversation. And I hope that that inspires other people who are like me, you know, or had these experiences to me or feel the way I feel can then come through that growth process. But to your point, it's like being able to say, I'm getting another thought, but being able to say like, that's fucked up. That's wrong. You know, uh, I have siblings that are gay, right? So the other issue that I'm thinking about here, and, and I don't want to kind of bounce around, I apologize, but it's like, how come like I can make fun of my brother, not for being gay, but just like, I can pick like this mentality. It's like, I can pick on my brother, but you can't. And I feel like, is that, is there, is there something in, along there that needs to change as well? Like, does that make any sense at all? Um, I think it. I think it depends. I think it depends on the situation. Um, like, I st I still think it's a difference in a way. Like, if me and my if me and my brother is um having a like a fight, or we're arguing or whatever, and I'm yelling at my brother, blah blah. I'm not gonna let nobody else yell at my brother and talk to him crazy. That's my brother. Almost like almost like a parent, right? Like. You may you may chastise your child. Like, hey, sit down. I said, sit down. Stop. Right? But you gonna have an issue if someone else do it to your child. Like, hold on. Who you talk? You they talking to my child? You see what I'm saying? So it's the same situation. Like, this is my. We're yeah. family. This is my. I can say it. You see what I'm saying? Like, you don't get to do that. You see what I'm saying? It is. It's, it's, it's the same situation. Like, yes, I I can tell my son to go to time, or I can tell my tell my son to go sit the hell down. But if somebody I don't know. Is telling my son to sit the hell down. We have a problem. You, you, you see what I'm saying? As a father, it's like you have a problem. Who are you talking to? My, who are you talking to my kids? Yeah. You don't know them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's the same situation where it's like, if if I if I can if I can make jokes about my brother, he's he's he made because if my if my if my brother, you would hope anyway, right? Like if my brother, and it depends on the joke. Like it because I because my I got a homosexual brother, so I would I don't joke with him that he's gay or whatever, right? I may joke with him that his shoes are ugly, something like that, but I don't joke on his sexuality. That's me. Um, but if that was a case where people did, if the brother or the sibling is okay with it, like, hey, this is my brother. He loved me. He just joked, blah, blah, blah. Then they're okay with it. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to hit different from a stranger that you don't know or something like that and saying the same thing. And, and vice versa. It may, it may hurt him more that his brother's saying it, but he should say something to his brother. Like, listen, I don't like when you say something about this. You know what I'm saying? He should be able to speak up to his brother. You know, I don't like, like nothing, nothing like this. But the, the brother itself should be furious if someone else is making jokes about his brother, somebody else. You see what I'm saying? Because my thing is, um, with, that, with that example you used with, uh, well, I can say it's my brother, but you can't, right? To me, that's almost like... Um, Reminds me like when they when they say black on black crime. So when they use that against they try they try to use it against us like, uh, why are you getting mad at cops killing black people? Black people kill black people all the time. You, you see what I'm saying? So they try to use that whole, oh well you do it, <laughs> that type of situation, right? So I'm like, so when you when you I'm like so if you if you're sitting here saying if your excuse is well black what about black on black violence, then you're saying it's okay for just people to kill us anybody. You see what I'm saying? And, and then because there's, 
there's white on white violence all the time. I mean, this is this is we are human. There, we people are going to kill people. That's part of it, right? But you shouldn't be getting killed by people that's hired to protect you. That's that's the problem. You you went through a solid two weeks of police training <laughs> to become a police officer. You should know the law. You know what I'm saying? Like although law students spend many years in law, you're the police officer that went to two weeks with a high school diploma. You should know a lot about the law enough to know, you know what I'm saying? Like you shouldn't be killing innocent people or un unarmed people. You should, you're there to protect. Arrest, take them to jail. That's the that's the procedure. And but that that's not that's not what's happening. That's the issue. It's interesting too because I mean I've heard parents say well, there's a police officer I'm going to tell him you're being bad. And it's like, one, that's, that's already saying that I should fear the police instead of having some sort of good relationship with them, which then teaches the yep. kid hurt, who's hurt, who was bullied, to go be a police officer so that they could now present other people with fear. And I saw this TikTok, yep. I saw this TikTok of, a, of a woman, and it made me feel a certain way, so I want to talk about it because I'm confused by it. She posted her with the self, and it was like the switch. Are you on TikTok? Yeah. Oh, you know the switch thing, right? Where they're like, uh, I just flipped the switch, right? And then they, they're in a new outfit. Mm -hmm. She was in this shirt that had been bloody. And she was like, posted like, when you beat, this is the shirt that I wore when you beat me. And she was all bloody. And then she flipped the switch, and she was a cop. And it got all these likes and stuff like that. And the thing that kind of scared me in that was her reasoning was, I felt like it almost was retaliation. Does that make, does that make any sense? Like she became, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to she became a cop because she was abused. And I get- Oh, okay, okay. I get scared by, I, I get scared by that reasoning because I think and maybe, maybe she's going to be an amazing police officer and really help people and really stand up. But I think a lot of times people who have something like that happen go into that field to reclaim a position of power or to, to prove. And I, I don't know, I just, yeah. felt, I just felt a certain way about that. I feel like, to your point about cops training two weeks, and it's like, that doesn't give you... <laughs> I don't know. This is a whole, this is a whole education. And like you, I'll back up. I'll back. Just educating the kids on humanity, being a human, and like, I think that's where we got to start, man. It's like, I think um, it's sometimes it's it's hard to put in words because overall, what you really want to say is, it's just fucked up. This the shit is just fucked up. It's hard to articulate. You just think, you'd be like, we're just fucked up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, when you think about, like, the way our education system is, we already know about redlining and the whole segregation thing and how they keep, you know what I'm saying, Centerville, mainly white and everything. Like, we know about redlining, all that stuff like that. But what, the, 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 the contents of what they're teaching, that's an issue. That, that, my brother, the whole, it's, Let's first of all, let's call it for what it is. We call it an education system. It's just a school system, which school means nothing. Right? Just a facility, gotcha. okay? And gotcha. If it's educational, gotcha. 
it, then it would be handled completely different. It would be morphing and changing yes. all the time. That is a yes. It is a big old sardine can of fuckery. I do not like mm-hmm. the school system. <laughs> uh, back. Well, first of all, because it turns people off. I thought I was stupid. I thought I was stupid. I didn't. I thought once I was done with school, I was done learning. That I was static. This was who I was going to be the rest of my life. It's just bullshit, and it just takes you away. Thankfully, I've learned that I can learn and that I enjoy learning and educational. But they don't talk about the things. And you're talking about the contents that go in it. You're shaping purposefully shaping kids' lives, and you're like, "What the fuck is real? I don't know." And like the people that are like telling you information that that is being withheld. What else is being withheld? Think about a story. You're telling me a certain situation that happens all the time. You don't remember the story as it is. So now we're basing history off of the telephone line sequence. And it's like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to make this very clear, but I'm not saying things did not happen or they happened inappropriate or, or that mm-hmm. they were misrepresented in history. But to your point, things are purposefully being withheld, knowing that when mm-hmm. I do certain things, that's what the reality is. Yeah. When you think like they, there's some people that back in the day, they called them the founding fathers of this country. They called them the, the found, which means they, how can you found, find something that's already fucking here? I don't get it. I don't, I don't get it. Like they're called the founding fathers. Like we still celebrate Columbus Day. He was fucking lost. We still celebrate Columbus Day. <laughs> it's like, and, and and my thing is like it's and um I got a I got a friend who um she had she admits and I you ain't gotta admit but like she understands that she has privilege white privilege right my thing is this is the world we live in white privilege you don't have to this is a personal thing I'm not saying I'm not speaking about black people me pers- you don't have to look at it as a negative thing oh my gosh I have white privilege I have white and fuck it, you got it, right? Or are you going to use it for good? That's a or are you going to use it to help others? Huge. That is fucking huge. Because I, one, I've gone through that cycle of feeling guilty for the blessings that I've had, right? Then the realization is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have this platform, right? Like, like whatever you're saying is like, how am I going to use it for good, right? I've got flying superpowers, right? I can use them for evil or I can use them for good, right? Like, what am I going to use it for? I don't have to feel guilty for having flying powers when everybody else does not. And so uh, definitely fucking get that. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that, like I said, that's a big, that's a big thing too, is just understanding that, um, I like to understand that you have it. But what she's been doing is like, um, she's been kind of educating herself, reading, reading books, documentaries, like looking up Angela Davis, looking up the Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma's at Black Wall Street, how they just came and bombed the whole place and tried to erase it from fucking memory. You know what I'm saying? Like, black people, we had a we had an economy, a system, whatever. White people didn't like it. They came and destroyed it. N- you never hear about it, right? And my thing is, like, I would never be upset at her for not knowing, right? Because she didn't know. How, how would she know, right? But the fact that she's taking the time out to educate herself on it and become more aware, you know what that's going to do? Now she's going to spread that. Now she's going to spread that knowledge. That's how we grow. It, makes me really- it, it would mean it would mean nothing if she read all up on that and just kept it to herself. 
Yeah, I don't think you can. I, at some point, I don't think you can keep it to yourself, you know, mm-hmm. uh, unless it's perfect. Like, when you stumble upon that curiosity, you don't just keep it a secret, really. You, know? mm-hmm. you don't. And, and it just makes me think is like, I, I, don't, I don't see – I don't see the end game. I don't see the point in it. I don't see the point in saying, like, I don't know. I, I just, like, my best memories are with all kinds of people. Men, women, younger people, like, th- like different cultures, different, like, so I'm just so confused at what the end game of silencing this or manipulating young people for this, this I just don't, get, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. The, 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 it, the, what, what, I'm, what I'm afraid is going to happen is we're going to treat this. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm afraid that it, I'm afraid if it does, um, we're going to treat this like just every other situation. Oh, it's a hot topic now, but by November, we won't hear about it no more. That's what I was talking And we go back to, everybody go back to their bubble. So many people, I just want life to go back to normal. What do you mean normal? First of all, we're always in a new normal. Right, like a hundred years ago, they didn't have fucking cell phones. Like, it's just everyone dips their toes in, and, and like, but we need radical change. Like, we have an awareness and an ability to do this. Like, we can, if we can shift the education system to all online in a week, a month, why did it take a hundred years? Exactly. Right. It's exactly. You don't want to. Exactly. Just, exactly. Why do you have all that shit in your closet? You just don't want to fucking pull it out. And it's, I, I, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about with the tornadoes. It's exactly what I'm talking about with New Year's resolutions, which I didn't talk about here, but I talked about in other podcasts. It's exactly what I'm talking about with, you know, like this is a time to look at the dirty laundry. This is an exposure time. Like people, people are exposed right now. So I, I do believe that maybe, maybe what you're talking about, what you're afraid of, maybe will happen. Maybe we'll go back to normal. But it won't be for long. All this shit will just keep coming up. It'll it'll just yep. perpetuate. It's kind of like relationships. All the insecurities you have, and you break up with this one girl, right? Or whatever your problem is, until you really deal with that personally, it's going to show up with the next girl, and the next girl, and the next girl, or guy and guy and guy. And it's like until we really sit and come up with as a collaborative unit of people living in a vicinity of one another, come up with a solution. We're just going to keep having these problems over and over again. And they're there. They're, they're going to be there. So my hope is that is the same as your hope. And now it's kind of like people, the beauty of these times are we have access to so much information and so many people that, you know, we can create things like it, it would have been really hard for you to do four date and by date ten years ago, twenty years ago, maybe. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. It's a lot harder mm-hmm. to do this podcast, which when somebody listens to this and 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 it's a young kid, like first of all, I was in with a sixteen year old uh, kid yesterday, you know, and he was a black kid, and he's you know just I wouldn't have had that connection with him if I didn't have Uber as a technology to, to, to pick up a ride. Like, so we, we just don't have mm-hmm. access to connecting like we do now. So I think organizations like four day and by day, or what I want to talk to you about offline, sometimes improv USA, we just don't have access to those things. And so how do we get access yeah. to awareness is the biggest thing. So, um, anything else, man? Uh, no, I'm good, man. Like I said, I appreciate the, uh, the conversation. Um, if anybody listening, uh, 
All my music is on Spotify and iTunes. Look up K.Carter. All my music is there. Uh, videos on YouTube, same stuff. Um, was it Instagram, Son of Hip Hop, S-O-N-O-F-H-I-P. If you can't spell hip hop, you don't need to follow me. So, uh, yes, <laughs> Son of Hip Hop <laughs> at this point. So I'm, not about to, I'm not about to give y'all the pleasure of spelling hip hop out for you. If you can't spell that, don't follow me. Stay over there. <laughs> Uh, anything, other big news for any, you know, any big announcements? I know you had your little photo shoot. Oh, um, it's not a big announcement yet, but, uh, the pack, the group I'm with, me, Vinay, and Dre, we, uh, it's, it's pretty much a done deal that we will be performing at, uh, Tender Mercy. Um, like just doing some music for them, for the, for the customers and everything like that. Trying to give them a little, a little hip hop flavor, you know what I'm saying, on what we do. So they've been it. good enough to, uh, want to give us a try and, um, wants to bring some some new customers but also you know some bring some good music to the uh to the city so we may be uh performing uh, here soon at uh tender mercy so i love that man i think that's super mm -hmm. people need to go out there and, and come and support that both both parties mm -hmm. i think i think you really need to I, i'm sure you are and it might be uh you know a repeated thing here but just keep pushing through with the four date and by date and i think that's going to have a very large impact on um all different types of people, all different ages, all different backgrounds. So yep. uh, mm -hmm. we all live in these zip codes and call Dayton home. So we're not that different really. So uh, yep. it'll, def it'll definitely be going on next year. So mm. love yeah, it. It'll definitely well, happen next year. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I'm actually uh, super excited that we did this. We're able to connect and uh, hopefully we can see each other at the black box sometime soon. Probably not. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully uh, soon. So I would love yeah. So, uh, until yeah. next time, friend, I appreciate you. All right, man, you take it easy, man. Yep, see ya.